Welcome to In the Movement Podcast, a podcast discussing all things happening in the credit union movement. Each episode will feature leaders talking history, current affairs, and how we can utilize our expertise to educate, communicate, and mobilize, all to better serve our movement. Here are your hosts, Chris Kem, Austin DeBay. Welcome to another edition of In the Movement Podcast. I am Chris Kim. And I am Austin DeBay. You know, Austin, today we have a phenomenal leader that we're blessed to have in our credit union movement. Her name is Stephanie Tubner. She's the CEO of Blue Federal Credit Union. Yeah, Chris, one second and, and I will get to this. You know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we got into like talking about our guests and everything is we want to keep these podcast episodes timeless. We always say this, you know, you could go back a year from now, six months, whatever, five years, and it'd still be relevant. And that's the case. But I thought maybe at the beginning of the show, because something happened to me this morning that I would bring up and it is somewhat timely. But right now when we're recording this, we are a week, the week before our annual meeting, a 2021 annual meeting. We have been locked down for a little over a year at home working. And so I'm actually first recording uh, in the office. So if you notice the sounds different of this recording, it, it is a temporary setup in our Phoenix office and hopefully get some better sound quality. But anyway, what I wanted to tell you is like, this is the first time I've been back into an office, getting up at 6 a.m., getting ready, packing up and going to work for an eight-hour day. And I will tell you, in a year's time, I have forgot everything. I forgot what to do. I didn't give myself enough time to drink my coffee like I usually do. I didn't give myself enough time to get ready. I left the house. I thought I had everything. I got halfway here and I realized I forgot my keys for the office. So I had to head all the way back home because if I did that in the past, someone would have been here by now, but nobody else is in the office. So I had to go back. And then I got to the office and I forgot my parking pass. So I left, came back home to get my keys, came back. Forgot my key fob for the parking garage. I get you know everything loaded up in my hands, and then I get to the door and I don't have my mask. So I had to haul everything back to my car, get my mask, you know, get upstairs holding the basket, and don't have enough hands to put the key in the door. I mean, it's just a mess. And I come in, try to set up and, and scramble to get this because we had this recording this early in the morning. So anyway, I am just I'm just giving you a warning if you're not if you have not returned back to work yet, that give yourself a little bit of extra time before going into the office that very first day, because you might have forgot how to go to work in the morning, because I clearly did. You know, that's a great story. I think we talked prior to starting the recording how next week we're going to an in-person meeting and you try to forget some of the things that you're supposed to be doing because you haven't been doing it for a while. So I think that's not only funny, but it is timely because looking back a year from now or two years from now, you're going to be giggling because you're going to remember, hey, you don't always remember your path and everything that you do every day. So, yeah, you know, prior to COVID, we were traveling a lot. I would, you know, when we go to the annual meeting, I'm going to leave around noon. And in the normal situation, if it was pre COVID, I would have waited till two, I'll be waiting till Tuesday morning and just packing everything and going for the conference for three days. Well, I've actually carved out all of day Sunday to plan because I don't remember how to pack. I don't remember what I'm spoiled with since I've been home and had like fresh coffee at my disposal of, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be all, Trying to figure out what I need to bring and what's relevant and what it was just me being spoiled over the last year to have access to all this stuff. Not only that, but then there's an added caveat of I have to try and close this make sure that they still fit. So, you know, there's just a lot of challenges that come with returning back and integrating yourself back into the normal society and, you know, your work life. And I know this is probably 
not relevant to a lot of you and many of you probably that listen, most of the listeners that have had to or got to whatever way you look at it going into your office every day. So I get it. I'm, I've been spoiled over the last year and some change, but time to get back well, into it, it things. Definitely proves our creature of habit. And some of the folks listening may have actually already gone through that process already. So they may be laughing because they, they, they did the same thing that you did. So, yeah. Agreed. And I know I'm taking up a lot of time, so back into But one of the people that I am looking forward to talking with and seeing in person is our guest that we actually are recording with today, Stephanie Tubner. Yeah, I think we're fortunate. She's had a good year. She's had a great start to 2021. She's been a very successful community leader uh, within Cheyenne. She's a local Wyomingite, as we laugh about in the segment. And Cheyenne is her home. But Stephanie, over the last 21 years, helped drive then Warren Federal Credit Union and a merger and a couple business deals later, she's grown that credit union to over a billion in assets and it'll be the first Wyoming credit union with a billion in assets. 81,000 members worldwide because of her tie to the United States Air Force. So a lot of airmen who served in Cheyenne have, have gone and moved on. It's interesting how her dynamic and thoughtful leadership has taken that credit union and driven it in a great way. So she's been recognized as the professional of the year. She's been named by the Wyoming Business Report as the 2016 Woman of Influence Finance Award of the Year. I think she was the 2017 Trailblazer CEO of the Year by Credit Union Times. And just recently, she was recognized by uh, the local media as uh, one of the Women of Influence in Cheyenne again. So. I think we're very fortunate to have her on and, and hear her thoughts on leadership. And in our segment of who makes up our movement, we talk long and hard about people that uh, make up our credit union movement. And it's interesting to hear uh, her perspective. It would be interesting to hear her perspective on where she comes with that. Yeah. And I admitted to her, and I've, I told you this prior to the interview is, you know, I, I did not know a lot about Stephanie going into this interview and was really looking forward to hearing the conversation that we had. And, and I did. And, you know, one of the things I will spoil, one thing that I encourage everybody to, you're listening and to stay on to hear her talk about her leadership style, but also talking about herself being an introvert. And, and that's something that hits close to home to me is I am also a fellow introvert, not at the sense where I'm, I'm still outgoing uh, as Stephanie is as well. It's just, there is a level of energy that gets drained when you're in social situations and, you know, just for challenges with that and how she's overcome some of those challenges and, and operated as a CEO, having that characteristic trait. And, and uh, so I, I found it very enjoyable that, especially that part. So I do encourage you all to listen for the entire interview. That's a great point. So with that, let's get after it. Well, hello, Stephanie. Uh, hello there. Welcome to In The Movement Podcast. You happen to be our 10th guest. So that magic number of 10. I like um, it. We're pretty excited in how we've moved forward. And before we get started, you know, you've had a great start to 2021 that most people would probably dream of starting. Before we talk about your accolades that you've gotten this year and your great start, tell us your story. What journey did you take to get where you're at today? Well, first of all, congratulations on your podcast. I think it's really cool and exciting that you've started something for credit unions to engage with. I think it's really terrific. My story of getting here is probably not all that different than a lot of credit union CEOs, truthfully. I did start with a small credit union 
And that probably really sort of got, you know, I drank the juice with a small credit union where you really start to believe in the credit union movement and what we're all about. And that really provided the opportunity for me to come to what was Warren back in the day. So I've been with Blue now for 21 years, actually. And I have been the CEO for 16 of those. I am a Wyoming native. I'm a Cheyenne native. So I was born and raised here. And then, you know, like many of us, we have to spread our wings a little bit. So I was out of Cheyenne for about 10 years and then came back for the job, actually, to work for Warren at the time. So I'm a University of Wyoming graduate and both actually for my undergraduate and my master's. I got both at the University of Wyoming, which is not all that common. But yeah, so that's a little bit of my background about who I am and where I came from. Yeah, we, uh, a funny story, we were looking up on what you actually call Wyomians. We thought it was Wyomians. Wyoming, uh, I'm not even going to say it right. Wyomingites. 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 Oh, there you go. Yes. Yes, I am a Wyomingite. <laughs> we thought it was funny because we actually had to look it up. I've been saying it wrong all these years and no one's ever corrected me. And, and really? Goes, yeah, no, not one. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> what were you saying, so, Chris? Wyomians? Yeah. Yeah, Wyomingans. I, would say, I would say you Wyomings and, and no one would say anything to me. And so yesterday when we looked it up, we we're like, oh, and then I just suddenly had a flashback of 15, 16 years of, man, how many people did I offend? Well, I'm sure we've been called worse, so that's okay. <laughs> Maybe it's the wind in Wyoming that yeah. they didn't hear the ending of it. So yeah. I have a question because I guess I didn't know this. Maybe you told me at one point and forgive me, what was a small credit union that you started at? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was with the name of the credit union was Energy West Credit Union up in Casper. It was the original Conoco Credit Union. So it was a, a single sponsor credit union. We were Conoco and then changed our name when Conoco pulled out of Casper, which right. would have been back then, like in the early 90s. And now, not long after I left, within a few years of leaving Casper, Energy West merged with, well, it was Natrona County Schools, but Reliant. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, acquired Energy West. And that's how Reliant got their branch in Douglas. That was a branch we opened. And then when they acquired, they now have that location in in Douglas. So, yeah. Right. Well, that makes sense. You think you know somebody after all these years. And then when you popped that question or when you said that, I was like, yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And interestingly, that clear back then, I was actually on the association board when I was with Energy West back in the day. So that's when we still, we were still a league, right? We were the Wyoming Credit Union League. And yeah. And then we actually did the contract with Colorado when I was on the board when Carroll Beach. Yes. Yeah. Back in Carroll Beach days, they started the management of the league. And then, you know, and then over the years, it eventually became, yeah, consolidation. My career, and, and we often do years in credit union with our guests. When I started at the league, quote unquote, the league, you had just taken over Warren Federal Credit Union. You'd, I think, been on the job six months or eight months. Isn't that started. crazy? Right. So that is it, crazy, actually. It's gone by really, really fast. So Very um, fast. I, I did want to say thank you on the podcast note. You know, Austin and I, we wanted to start it sooner, but COVID kind of interrupted it mm-hmm. and delayed it almost a year which I think was okay for us, but it's been a long time coming. So we're just now getting our feet wet with it. And, and we you. hope we can 
tell a lot more stories of crediting professionals like yourself. You'll do great. I think it's exciting. COVID disrupted everything, didn't it? Well, it feels it like. We've often talked about what does our movement look like after COVID? Like right. Kind of put to bed and we've learned to work from home and we've learned to do all these different things. Positions that credit unions never imagined would be out of the office or back out of the office. Yeah. So, Crazy. Stephanie, talking about when the association combined and became the Mountain West Association, you were, like you said, Warren Federal Credit Union. I think probably just thinking about which credit unions have evolved the most over that time frame, I would say Blue Federal Credit Union is one of them. I mean, you went from a name change to, I believe you might have been a multi-state at that point already, but at least not to the extent that you are now. I believe you actually even have more branches in Colorado right now, 11, and you have seven in Wyoming. So, you, I mean, you are a full-on nearly an equal representation from a two-state. What the, was the driving factor of turning you know, a military-based SEG into a, a billion-dollar multi-state community chartered credit union? Um, originally, so one thing that is interesting to clarify there, we actually are not community chartered. We are still SEG multiple common bond. And we originally expanded into Colorado, you know, because we were military. And so the Air Force base here in Cheyenne, typically most airmen come here for a couple of years, then they leave. If we're fortunate enough to keep them as a member, right, we have members all over the world because of it. And for the most part, we were pretty successful in keeping that. But what we were finding is how many of those airmen actually were living in Colorado. It's just such an easy drive to come this way. We also found that um, a lot of them, when they would leave the military, were relocating to Colorado, right? You guys know Colorado is just exploding and has been for years. And so the more research we did, we found how much of our membership we were actually serving out of Colorado. And so that started our first sort of, we kind of dipped our toes in it in Wellington, opened the in-store branch there, and that quickly took off. And so it just sort of expanded from there. We went into Fort Collins. But really, the biggest movement that way had to do with the merger when we merged with Community Financial in 2016. And that really took us further south into Colorado. And from there, honestly, it really just research told us where our members were, how we could better serve them. The Boulder area, because we were Community Financial was a result of a merger with Boulder Municipal Employees. So we had a big Boulder contingent. And we realized that a lot of our members couldn't afford to live in Boulder. So they were living outside of Boulder in Lafayette and Erie. And I mean, you know, it's amazing how far they go to live, to afford to live. So we just started to do our research. And that's where we ended up with the majority of our branches was just where we were able to serve our members. Of course, we always look at where the opportunity is too, right? So it's not, I mean, it's both. It's where can you serve your existing members? And then what are some of those growing communities? And we've been really fortunate that we've landed in some great locations with some great new membership. And then, honestly, Austin, the next step was just a year ago, we acquired a couple of bank branches that took us a little further into Colorado. And those have been really, really successful. We feel fortunate that we were able to build those relationships as well. So it's been a variety, you know, really sort of different ways that have kind of explored and brought us into that area. You know, we were joking that Boulder, Fort Collins, Laramie, some pretty big college towns. So we just thought you weren't actually chasing the airmen. You were going after the college kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, a little bit of both. There was a yeah. little bit to that. I'm not going to lie. You're right. There was some of that. Yeah. Laramie was truthfully what we found with Laramie. 
and this college town concept is how many of their parents you're serving, right? And then they go to college and right. they want to be able to do business there. That's kind of how Laramie, and then it's just grown from there. But truthfully, we're just trying to serve our members' kids, honestly. More right. Convenient. Well, I can see that, you know, as a Navy vet, we get a GI Bill. And so back in my day, we couldn't pass it on to our children. Now, mm-hmm. um, the military can pass it on to their children. So I can see a lot how I'm done with my service time. I'm going to move down to Fort Collins because of the jobs and it's close. Or I'm going to go work for the federal government and transition my skills to the federal government in Boulder. because There's a lot of federal agencies over there. Yeah. So I can see how those members would move. And a good credit union does follow their members, especially yeah. with you want to be able to serve them. And it highlights how well our movement is as far as being a cooperative movement. Yeah. Because until you had those branches or until you had those locations, you really relied on the shared branching network to mm-hmm. service those members. But you service them enough to keep them. And then you have those, the next gen or the next generation of credit union members that you know, we all had when we were younger, someone beating in our head, this is what you have to do because this is, this is a better way to do your financial service. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. You know, Stephanie, with Chris talking about the college campuses, but you do have a a large footprint all the way down to Denver. And even if I got my geography correct of Colorado, even in a mountain town of Mm -hmm. Granby, um, looking on the outside, those are very diverse communities. Like they're different. By that, I mean that operating in Shine, I'm assuming is much different than operating in in Boulder, even just from a state standpoint. And during, you know, the most recent COVID, having protocols that are different in Wyoming versus Colorado, what how have you bridged those challenges of having, you know, different, even when you merge credit union, different work cultures and environments? I mean, Chris and I are no stranger to this ourselves. We had the same issues. And I don't mean issues like, but we had the same things. We had just had different work cultures when we merged as an association. So I'm just curious your take on how you've been able to blend those together with such differences in states and work cultures and all that. You definitely touch on something that has been challenging for sure. COVID probably did bring to light to a greater extent, some of those differences. You're right. There was different protocols in each state. And we did have to be sensitive to that, even probably most importantly with our employees. You know, members, I think, had common expectations of how they were served, right? How we protected them. It was really the employee piece of it where we probably saw the greatest, even today, right? So Wyoming, now our protocols are we don't have a mask mandate anymore and Colorado, most communities still do. So really we started to, the biggest piece we did with that is really felt like it was an employee empowerment piece, right? What makes you most comfortable as an employee? We are one of the few, I've been asked this a lot. We went back to work within a month. So our facilities were open within a month, including if people wanted to go to work, because at the time we had six different locations that our admin staff was located. So across Colorado and Wyoming, we just had, for lack of a better word, our back office staff was in different locations. So we were able to spread people out within a safe distance. If they chose to, we allowed employees to stay working from home. We found, honestly, that a lot of them wanted to come back to work. Interestingly, we still have some that are working from home and those that really preferred to work from home. It was just a sensitive balance. And so We really just tried to be as accommodating as we could while continuing to serve our members. It wasn't easy though. I don't think it was easy for anybody being a critical business and keeping your doors open for people 
it was tough, but you know what? Our members wanted it too. There was a sense of security in knowing that your credit union could still serve you, right? In a scary time that people weren't so sure what was happening or what was going to happen. So, but you're right. It was, it's been challenging for sure. Yeah. And as we're recording this, we're been over a year and a few months since, you know, the pandemic started. And so it, it is interesting to thinking back of how scary it was that first month. Like now it just seems, you know, as we're hitting what I believe and hope is the tail end of this, that it's even hard to fathom how scary that time was. And but to your question, I, 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 that's a great answer because I think almost had, I assumed you almost had to keep each area almost its own little operation as far as how you handle it. You had to really personalize it based upon the community you're in. And obviously there's some commonalities about what your members expect, especially with a seg-based credit union. Military members in Colorado are no different than military members in Wyoming yeah. um, because of a border. But the mass mandate laws and things like that are different. And you have to almost treat your employees differently depending on what communities they live in. And yeah. uh, that's the benefit of being a, even though you're not a community, you don't have a community charter, it's a, you're still a community financial institution in the sense of like your yes. employees expect you to be local financial institutions yeah. in that respect. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's been an interesting year for everybody. It's just been crazy. It has. It's it's hard because when I talk even with our colleagues, it's hard to have any other perspective of how COVID's treated people other than your own. So sometimes you make a lot of assumptions, you know, right before this, this is right before our annual meeting and, and talking about what topics, when we talked about them, a lot of the topics I brought up don't really matter to a lot of credit unions in Wyoming because they're not going through the COVID stuff. So I've kind of pulled back a lot on the COVID discussion because of the lack of it being a universal issue for everybody at this moment. So Right. And Arizona is the same, right? Arizona is more open now. Much more open. And yeah. even during last summer, when things were dying a little bit before the winter, Arizona was spiking. Everybody else was kind of going back down. So it really, there's not ever been a time where, except for that first month, where all three of our states were kind of in limbo. It's always been, you know, one state's got these flare-ups and it's the most pressing mm-hmm. issue. Other states, the most pressing issue is opening back up. And it just swaps. And so it's yeah. really hard to keep it. The COVID piece is really hard to keep it relevant for everybody throughout. And fortunately, maybe we won't have to worry a whole lot about it anymore is what I keep thinking. I keep hoping. Same, same. I, re- I really did have learned to appreciate talking to people a lot more since I've been gone. You know, right? some of it you took for granted, you know, the conversations you had and just when you take that away, it's really, you realize how much you miss it. Yeah, it's really tough. Well, and also kind of highlights the fact that even though Wyoming, Colorado, Arizona are all doing different things. It has highlighted the collaboration between our credit unions again, because while some may be moving forward with a different plan on how they are opening up their branches or dealing face-to-face with their members, the other credit unions that are not are relying on those that who have saying, what was your protocols? How did you move forward? Yes. Where's the risk that's involved with this? And it's been great to see the dialogue and the cooperation come back. And it reminded me of when I first started in the movement to see what's your operating procedures on this for, oh, you know, yeah. and, and really sharing the back end information. Absolutely. You know, we do better together and we were hugely dependent on what, there was a lot of dialogue happening. You know, what are you guys doing? How are you doing it? And you'd get great ideas and then you could share your great ideas. And wow, I think we all came through this stronger for sure. Yeah, my son is now working at a credit union. And even though he's grown up in the house with credit union love all the time, listening to him and hearing, hey, well, there's a blue federal credit union right across the street from his branch in, I mean, his credit union in Westminster. Mm-hmm. 
it, he works for Horizons North. So uh-huh. an employee came over and worked or moved from Blue to his job. And yeah. he came back and he was like, hey, they do the same thing. They do this, they do that. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And yep. he started to see, oh, it's more like family. It's not, yes. yes. Yep. Yes, it yes. is. You guys playfully compete against each other, but you're still family. It's like a yep. bunch of brothers and sisters. I'm going to sit at the dinner table first. Yep. Very true. Stephanie, you know, at the beginning you talked about you actually served on the Colorado board, or I'm sorry, the Wyoming Association board before mm-hmm. and worked out the uh, partnership agreement with Colorado um, yep. and Wyoming. But then obviously when, when I started, you weren't on the board, but fairly recently you've joined, uh, you're now a member of the Mountain West board and the Ukrainian National Association board. So learning that you had been a previous board member in the past. So I assume that being part of the larger conversation in the creating movement has always been something that you have found as a value. What made you decide, you know, the second round to get back involved in associations type of activities, whether it's mm-hmm. nationally or on the regional state level? To be completely candid, the reason I chose to get involved with the Mountain West again Wyoming, our representation on the board, because we don't have that many credit unions, I've always felt strongly that allow that opportunity to a variety of credit union CEOs to participate. And so I think we had great representation. And once I understood that that representation was changing and that there was an opportunity, I thought, okay, well, now I can get involved. I want to make sure that we keep it diverse. I don't know that being the largest credit union in Wyoming not wanting to necessarily dominate those positions. I think it's important to not. And, you know, it's not something that I would commit to that, okay, I'm going to do this for the next 15 years either, right? You know, just always keep that perspective fresh and allow the opportunity among Wyoming credit unions to represent. So that's kind of why I had backed off a little bit was really to just allow other credit unions the opportunity. And I thought this is a great time right now, I think, to get back involved I visited with a couple of the other board members on some of the strategy work that was being done. And that really energized me that there was great strategic discussion happening about what is the future of credit unions and associations and what is the role of the association. I think I had a broader conversation being on the CUNA board too now for a few years. I continued to hear that even at the national level about what is the future of credit unions and what is the role of these trade associations and just associations in general. And I feel like I want to be a part of that conversation. It's empowering, but it's also, it's challenging. It's a difficult time. What's going to happen with the economy? And are we going to see continued consolidation of credit unions? And if so, what does that mean for associations? And how do we continue to collaborate? So it really came down to like the perfect timing of how can I get involved and make a difference, I guess, because the conversation is so important. You know, Stephanie, you kind of highlight something I was going to get into. We like to talk about, and particularly our current chairman right now, talks a lot about thoughtful leaders. And from what I've known of you since I first met you, you've always been pragmatic. It's not been about Warren or Blue. It's never been about my state or your state, although you do want to have a voice for Wyoming, because honestly, I know Austin and I and most of our staff do not see our credit unions as Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado. Mm -hmm. We just see credit unions, right? It's kind of like our politics. We're very pragmatic in our politics. I wish most of the country was. We probably wouldn't be in the fight we are today in our political world. But the more thoughtful, pragmatic leaders that we have, I think the better off of our our movement is. You've always been one to say, we may not need this, but 
down the road, one of our other credit unions may need it. Laramie Plains may need it. If you talk about Reliant or, you know, the different facets of Sheridan, they might need those particular resources where if we can invest, we will. I'm curious to know, I mean, you've been highlighted a lot. You've been highlighted by your local radio networks as a local woman in business spotlight. You've received a, a women influence. You've been the professional of the year. You've, you've been named all these things. And not once have I ever heard you run out and say, look at me. You've always deflected and you've always pushed it off to others. Where does your mindset come from? One, being powerful leader, because you may not see it, but your voice means a lot. But also being so pragmatic that you're thoughtful for everybody else. Wow. Thank you. First of all, I take that as a huge compliment and I appreciate your comments. Yeah, Chris um, basically is saying, stop being so humble, Stephanie. Start right. talking about <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. So this is going to sound maybe hopefully not too cheesy. I'm very grateful, actually, that I've been provided the opportunities I have to work in this industry for one. I feel like I kind of stumbled on it. So I just feel so grateful that I've had the opportunities that I've had. And primarily just to work with the really great people that I've gotten to work with, regardless of whether it be at Blue or just other credit unions and networking and all those amazing opportunities that we get because we are different, because credit unions are different. Wow, I've met some of the most amazing people and some of my best friends. And honestly, my success really can be attributed to my relationships with people in the credit union, whether it be my board of directors or the amazing staff that I have and the people I get to work with. But truthfully, it's leaders in the industry that have been so... I just have gotten to be a part of some really amazing groups that just really, I think, have helped me be successful because I'm not afraid for one minute to say, hey, I want to know how you guys are doing that. Or <laughs> like, boy, we're really struggling with this. And, you know, I want to know what you guys are doing. And everyone's always so willing to just say, hey, oh, heck yeah. You know, this is what we're doing. Or we learn from each other. And so I think I candidly don't feel like I can own it all. I just feel like there's just really amazing people who are willing to share. And I can only hope that I've had the same impact on others just to offer up successes or challenges we've had. And I think that I truthfully believe that's the future of our industry anyway, whether it be through consolidation or just collaboration, we just have to keep working together. We can't be against each other. We got to do it together and just for survival of of our industry. So this segment is the segment that we do with our leadership is called Who Makes Up Our Movement? And we want to highlight exactly what you just talked about. No matter how cheesy you think it sounds, It's something that needs to be told because we have a bunch of modest leaders in our credit union movement that don't look for pats on the back. They don't look for, it's just their passion. It's what they do. If you have a young professional listening to this right now, you have someone who sees you as, I want to be that person. What's the greatest advice you could tell somebody? I mean, it doesn't even have to be a young professional. It could be anybody that's really looking to move forward in the movement. What would be your solid piece of advice to tell anybody to go after a position that you have with where you're standing today? I think I have a few things I could offer. Most of the people that I work with and people that know me, I'm very passionate about leadership, but I'm passionate about it a little differently in that I never believe we ever arrive. We don't ever just say, wow, you know, boy, now I've really gotten it. Uh, This leadership thing, I got it. 
I feel like I've been a leader now for over 20 years and I have so much learning to do. I'm growing every day in my leadership. I'm willing to say when I mess up. So I think with humility comes, you know what? I mess up. I'm not perfect, but I can learn from it. And I want people to know that I try to learn and I'm trying to grow as a leader. I've never given up on that. So I would tell people, if you're new to it, don't ever have the expectation that you're just going to arrive at being this exceptional leader. It's, it's a practice, right? We're practicing every day being good leaders. That would probably be the first thing I would tell people. And don't ever lose your curiosity. Like I'm always curious about, well, I'm curious about the next best thing. So we're, you know, I want to know where can I take my credit union? I want to be curious about just life in general. There's so much to be curious about, but I'm also really curious about human behavior and why we do what we do and how you build relationships and how you keep relationships and make them stick. And, and so I don't lose curiosity, you know, like stay curious about other people. I'm fascinated by other people all the time. I ask more questions and just about life and what makes people tick and their success. And those are probably the two biggest things I would tell someone because as soon as you quit being curious and as soon as you think you've arrived as a leader, gosh, how boring, right? Where do you go from there if that's really how you see things, right? Right. Austin, I think we need to have Stephanie on as a guest host. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a hardly... Well, first of all, I agree with everything Chris said is like, I admittedly, when Chris and I were preparing for this interview, I said, you know, I don't know that much about Stephanie. I've never really sat and had a conversation with you. So I've been living up to my expectation of excited about, you know, hearing that because I just, it's funny how someone's perception of somebody is defined by someone else. And I will tell you, I did know one thing about you and it's the first thing I ever heard about you and it stuck with me and it's always kind of defined how I've seen you. And it's a, it's a great thing. So before I... I okay, say, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was driving up to Wyoming with Scott in the car and he was telling me, he was just talking about the credit unions of Wyoming. I didn't really have much, you know, I didn't know many. And he was talking about you and he said she had recently, it was around the time you had recently shaved your head because a former employee of yours, I don't, I don't know the whole story and you don't have to get into the details, but yeah. you had, you know, as a, as a sign of solidarity uh, with your friend and your employee, you shaved your head who was battling uh, cancer and having uh, therapy. And I was like, man, that is like, what? Like, that's just such an impressive thing. And then have someone else tell that story for you just amplifies, you know, this mystique about you of like, wow, she's just a great person. So that's honestly, that's like my entire perception of you is built upon that story. And it's so interesting to think, you know, we've known each other for eight years since then or whatever it's been. And, and, but still, that's the one thing that sticks with me about you. And it, it's again, goes to the point of what Chris was talking about, the leadership of, you know, you're, you're basically you. demonstrating what, it, what leadership is, is you can't really define it. It's just things like that. That's leadership for me. Yep. Thank you. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking when you were saying that one thing too, that I think some of this comes with, I call it with wisdom, right? Not age as we, we get a little wiser as we get older. And the one thing I for sure am a strong believer in, and that is we have to get to know ourselves a little bit and start to accept those things about ourselves that maybe not necessarily weaknesses, but just those traits about us that make us who we are. And one of those that I talk a lot about with my staff is that by nature, I'm an introvert and you'll hear a lot of people talk about being an introvert, but it doesn't mean I don't like people, right? I love people. I love to be with people, but I also know how I have to recharge and I have to go inward to recharge. And so that I have to be very selective about where my energy goes. 
And to be willing and open to talk about that with people from a leadership perspective has been so powerful because they better understand me. I may not be avoiding this event or that meeting or needing to recharge in a way that they may not understand. So the more I help them understand, hey, I have to recharge. And if you can just appreciate that about me, then you'll better understand where I'm coming from. And it's, it's not necessarily always offensive. So I, that's probably a third thing I would encourage new leaders to think about is, boy, spend some time getting to know yourself, not changing it. You don't have to change yourself, but you know what? Get to know yourself a little bit. I think it'll make you a better, stronger leader um, to acknowledge those things about yourself that you can be open about. Yeah. I mean, I love the topic of introverts. I mean, that you described myself as somebody who does enjoy people. I actually learned that over COVID that I actually do enjoy people, but I am so introverted. And I'm actually a little worried about when we get integrated with a large group of people again, because it's very draining of my energy. I put a lot into it because it, you know, you're building yourself up. Like it's not easy to go into a crowd. I'm not shy, but I'm also, it's not comfortable for me either. And I it drained easily, but to hear your perspective on that and also I think the perspective of just because somebody might be not at an event or something might to make sure that people realize that those type of personalities exist and not that expectation that everybody's got to be on all the time or be at every event because it's not easy for everybody and they need to focus their energy on what's important. And if you're going through a very social time at your credit union, like when you were probably going through your name change or, or merging with the credit union, there's a lot of energy that goes into that just from a social standpoint. So if you can't attend a board meeting because of that going on, completely understandable, you know? Yeah, it's so true. I'll be the first one, you know, sometimes I like to go out after a meeting or an event or something and I'll feel energized by it. other times. I'm like, okay, right. I've given all I got. So I'm just going to go back to the hotel. And <laughs> yeah, it's nothing personal. It has nothing to do with the company. I enjoy the company. It's just yep. to unwind. I get it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Going back to the, the leadership point, and as you just mentioned, maybe a third highlight, you know, I coach high school sports and I've coached for a long time, but it's something I often talk about and, and you kind of highlighted it without saying it. I always use this quote to parents because parents are hard to trust uh, coaches. Kids are hard to trust coaches depending on how they're upbringing. When you have employees coming in or you're interacting with a new group, and I take this theory into all the conferences I go to. There's a lot of brilliant people in this world. There's a lot of brilliant people in our credit union movement. But it kind of goes with this. No one cares about what you know until they know how much you care. And when and you just kind of highlighted that without saying that, you highlighted that exact theory. No one's gonna jump on board with your leadership style or what you have to say if they don't understand you don't care about them as a person. Yep. We have a wonderful CEO, Scott Earl. He is one of the best bosses of an organization I've ever been around because he genuinely cares about the people. And Chris, I don't think Scott would listen this far into the podcast, so you don't have to just say that so he hears it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I agree with Chris 100%. Here. Yeah, it's totally true. But you just highlighted that. You highlighted that exact fact without saying that particularly you're concerned about them understanding where you're coming from and understanding in the long run, it's their success that you're seeing and you want to happen. And that says a lot. And that's not just with you. They're, they're, I mean, particularly in Wyoming, I could list five right off the top of my head without blinking that have that same exact theory. It kind of goes into my next piece. And I don't know if this is state specific or in our movement, but we wanted to ask, and this is how we got into the Wyoming night, 
conversation. Yeah. You're a long time. You're a born and raised Wyomingite. What makes the credit union movement in Wyoming so unique? Oh, wow. I would say there's a lot of things. You touched on it that we are Wyoming, right? I always joke with people, you know, you have to come here to get it to some extent, right? We are different. We're a different breed. And I mean that in a nice, positive way, but we're rural more so than most state, well, almost all states in the country. We're just very rural. We're a small state population wise. Everyone's so spread out. And as a result of that, you know, you don't have a lot of huge credit unions that we just don't have the population to support a bunch of huge credit unions. And so you really see that the credit union movement is alive and well, right? These credit unions that are serving communities across the state, those communities need them. It's not just a matter of why are they there? It's those communities need those credit unions. And I can't think of a credit union in the state that isn't needed or doesn't have a greater purpose than just being a banking institution. So I do think that makes it really unique. Truthfully, it's just that the geographic spread of the state really has proven the need for having these smaller thriving credit unions. Truthfully, there's It doesn't mean that they don't have their challenges, but wow, are they serving a need and a purpose across the state? And so I do think that creates a little bit of a different dynamic in the state around credit unions. You don't see, you see consolidation, but not considering our size, the number of credit unions, truthfully, you would expect, I would think probably fewer credit unions, but just given the nature of our state, I think they all have their own purpose and we have a need for them. So the consolidation isn't going to happen because of that. The one thing that's unique from a Chris and I's regular job of, of legislation and politics is the influence that Wyoming has in politics is, is very large. I mean, you have Senator Barrasso, who is in leadership in the Senate. You have uh, Congresswoman Cheney, who is in leadership in the House for a state that has three members of Congress, yeah. two of those in a leadership position. It makes your involvement and the credit unions in Wyoming's involvement in the process that much more important. And you have the ability, I mean, you have members of Congress and senators, I would say probably by just sheer numbers, no CEOs of Wyoming Credit's name more than our other states. And that's because you're such pillars in the communities that you serve and the access that you have to these senators and, and member of Congress is, is so much grander than, than some other states. So to have an active and engaged credit unions and having your leadership be involved in a lot of these activities, whether it's even at our state capitol, or at your state capital, it's, mm-hmm. it's tremendous. And so we are very appreciative of the work our Wyoming credit unions do in that sense of being just in front of these type of issues, I would say more than even others in a proportional sense. You know, you are so right. And what's cool about that is you, you nailed it. We have access and it's not just access. We have unique access because I find, you know, like when we've had calls with them, and we ask them questions and stuff, I find myself, we just are more casual, right? So trying to be very professional on a call, you just want to say, well, Liz, tell me, you know, okay, wait, well, okay, not Liz, <laughs> Congresswoman Cheney, you know, like <laughs> you just find yourself being a little more casual and, you know, you want to talk to them in the way that you would talk to them if you ran into them on the street, because you do interact with them in those ways. I mean, they show up at our chamber, you know, you go have lunch with them at the chamber, right? And it's a small group, intimate group. You can actually have a great conversation. And it's just very unique that way that we have the access that we do. Yeah, I think you nailed that. And I think we feel really fortunate to have the influence that we can create. You know, it has its own challenges too, but definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, and I'm glad you are because, you know, when we go into those meetings and 
I've sat in somewhere, I filled in for Chris or Tim or Dan, and they don't want to hear from me. And I don't speak to say, I try to tap into when I grew up in North Dakota. So I feel like it's somewhat similar right. um, to an environment, but it's still like, they know I'm not from Wyoming. They, you know, they turn their head towards you all and, and which they should. And, and so yeah. we were very appreciative of the involvement that our Wyoming Credians give um, to the legislative yeah. process. And thank you for all the work you do for us too. And it's kind of funny you said, referring to them by name, because I've been in a ton of meetings where Barrasso starts asking, hey, how's your kids? By name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they start going into the taste of, how's Jack and Josh doing? And you're right. like, oh, and you just start talking about them. And it's amazing. We talk about this on the staff side. It's amazing they know that. Yeah. Uh, because a member of Congress, particularly a U.S. Senator or a U.S. House member, has 20, 30 meetings a day. Right. On all these different groups that try and talk to them. And we really are that home community. You know, we are that. So mm-hmm. it's great that, that you highlighted that. It is. We have had a great conversation and I think we could probably go on forever. Yeah. Thank um, you. But we'd like to end each show with some fun facts. Okay. Some are more fun than others, meaning some really take their jobs super seriously and they don't get how you would say cheesy on us. But... <laughs> Uh, I think our listeners like to hear the personal side or the, the fun stuff. So as we're closing this out, can you give a fun fact about 72 minutes that nobody really is aware of? That nobody's aware of? Well, or a few people are, or, or maybe the larger creating community as a whole that you want to yeah. share. Like, yeah. like Austin shared your story about uh, with your friend and shaving your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember that was back early 2012. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while ago. Mm -hmm. But I remember it being really public when that happened, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But some of our new movement may not have known that. So we shared that, but you know, something that, that the mass may not uh, be aware. So I have given that some thought. So it's probably an ironic thing, but we talked about me being a bit of an introvert, but I, I'm an adventure junkie. Like I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. A lot of people probably don't. I mean, my close people know that about me, but you know, every activity or sport, I'm a huge, huge sports fan. And so I'm all about taking chances and risks. And so like skydiving and scuba diving, and I like to be super, super active, but I'm also the first one to like, you throw a challenge at me and I'm all about it. Like I love all that kind of stuff. And fortunately I have a couple of kids that have bought off on it too. And so I have a couple of people to go do all my crazy adventures with me. So that's probably one thing that I don't talk a lot about, but it's definitely in my DNA because I just love adventure and activity. I love to travel and see new things, do new things. And yeah. It's like that commercial. Uh, you remember this commercial? There was a commercial that used to be on. I don't even remember what it's from, but it was a uh, kid was with his dad and he dropped ice cream cone and dad picked it up, put it on the thing for his kid to eat it again and said, you know, don't tell mom. And then did a couple other small things. And then the last scene is the kid and is getting done skydiving and they t- yes. he takes the mask off and it's his mom and the mom says, don't tell dad. And so that, exactly. that, that's, that's you. <laughs> yes. I, my kid, their high school graduation, we go skydiving and you know, I'm just, uh, we go, I take my kids scuba diving all the time. And I've had people ask me like, like, doesn't that make you nervous? I'm like, heck no, man. I love it. We just went, we got back from spring break in St. Martin. And I'm like, we are the luckiest people. We got to scuba dive with like a, a 15 foot shark that was like up close and personal. I mean, we have the most amazing video and they're like, oh my gosh. And your kids were with you. And I'm like, well, yeah, they got to see it too. We were, you know, like, 
I think people just think I'm crazy, but I get excited about that. And other people are like, you are crazy. <laughs> yeah. I will admit, I feel like that's a little bonkers. Not, not the sharks, the, the skydiving. I'm just scared of, I'm a scared of height person. So I yeah. people well, I just had my 20th anniversary at work. And what did I get? A gift certificate for skydiving. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Wow, that I cannot do it anymore. I did it, you know, back when I was like, younger. Yeah. Kudos to you, especially for being a quote unquote introvert. Right? That's something you would pair the two together. Usually it's uh nah. let's go and to use a yeah. Will Ferrell quote, you know, let's go streaking down the, the quad. Yes. You know, it's just right. it's just not something you would put the two together with. So No, I think people are usually surprised, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't go on the roof of my one-story home, so that's about the most. That sounds like the worst possible experience of my life is being a skydiver in a hot air balloon. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about it. Yeah, zip lining. You know, all that fun stuff. I love it. Nope. Nope. Well, we sincerely appreciate your time today. We don't get to celebrate those who lead and make up our movement a lot. And when we talked about creating this podcast, we really wanted to focus on the movement side and who makes up our movement. And and those thought leaders that are in our movement. Uh, because whether you're someone who works in a credit union, someone who's served by a credit union, a decision maker or a policymaker that may be influenced to make decisions on how to better serve our communities, we want to tell our story because we don't. And if we don't tell our story, someone else is going to tell our story for us. And it's so much that we don't get to highlight those who lead us. And we want to say thank you. And, and thank you again for taking some time with us today. Yeah. Thank you guys. Good job. Good luck. I know you guys are doing some great work and I look forward to listening to all of them. So thank thank you. And we look forward to seeing you in person uh, very shortly. Yes. Can't wait. Thank you. Love it. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's show as you got to hear from Stephanie Tubner and her thought processes on how she leads. She has a wonderful story. You know, I got to learn some things about her today. I know Austin got to learn a lot of things from her today. You tend to think you know somebody after so long. I was shocked today when I heard that she'd actually been at another credit union prior to her taking over Warren Federal Credit Union, now Blue. And I started with the association at the same time. She was freshly being named the CEO at Warren, now Blue Federal Credit Union. And it's awesome to watch how somebody is grown into the person she's become today. And the credit union that she runs is is a very influential credit union, not only in Cheyenne, but within the region. So we hope you enjoyed it. It was great dialogue between Austin, myself, and Stephanie. And uh, we hope that you, especially those that are looking to take the next step in your leadership development or getting some tidbits on how to move forward. Uh, You got to hear how Stephanie, so behind the scenes, has grown as a leader and an influencer in our movement. Hope until next time. Well, that's all for today's episode of In the Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening and thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast listing app so you never miss an episode or visit us on Twitter at MWCUA. 